0: Welcome, dear friends, to America First, one-on-one, where we get to discuss the big issues of the day. In more than just 180 seconds, like cable news does, we get to the actual root of the matter with people who know of what they speak. Today, we're going to talk about the only peer threat we face, and that is Communist China, with somebody who's kind of revolutionized media coverage of that threat, by herself, almost single-handedly. Her name is Natalie Winters. She is an investigative reporter with the National Pulse. Natalie, welcome to America First One-on-One.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So uh, we like to start these discussions uh, by getting to know our guests a little bit better, somebody who's listening to this show, one of our three million radio listeners, or somebody who's catching the video or had the link sent to them. So just say a little bit about yourself. Where do you hail from? What do you do today, and how did you get to that position?
1: Sure. Well, believe it or not, I'm actually from Los Angeles. Uh, I'm still in school. I'm a student at the University of Chicago. But while I'm pursuing my studies as a political science major and a history minor, I also work, as you said, as an investigative reporter at the National Pulse. And I focus primarily on the Chinese Communist Party, but more precisely, how they infiltrate various sectors of American society, whether it's academia, media, I think we're seeing right now, government, yeah. and really how they kind of fix policy, American policy, to suit their interests. And growing up I never was, you know, really into the Chinese Communist Party. I always was against communism, but I really got exposed to the threat that the Chinese Communist Party posed to I think really the, the way of life that we so cherish in America. Uh, through listening to shows like The War Room, shows like yours. I grew up listening to it, and uh, I wanted to do something about it. Yes, that
0: makes me feel very very. She grew up listening to my show. Yes, that's how old I feel right now. Carry on.
1: I can't tell you how many times I would be picked up from school, and my mom would have your show playing, and I would always listen to it.
0: A woman of extraordinary taste. I'm sure that's who your mother is.
1: She is your number one fan. Uh, but no, I I've always loved conservative media, but I really wanted to kind of get into it and actually do fact-based reporting and go to the primary sources, and really I think kind of footnote a lot of the statements that you like to see, you know, in mainstream media today. Well, not actually not mainstream media, but. You know, fake news, Beijing, Biden, those are all valid criticisms, but there's more to it than just, you know, the alliteration or or a fun-sounding phrase. So I really like to kind of dig into the documents, the primary sources. I always joke uh, that I'm probably the only actual American who spends so much time watching Chinese state media and perusing the Foreign Agent Registration Act database and all the various lobbying disclosure databases. So that's kind of the the brief on me. All
0: right, so (laughs) explain, if you will, uh, Natalie, Of all the issues out there, Mm -hmm. why you landed upon and, you know, you have an incredible tenacity when it comes to this issue. Why is it China and communist China as a threat to Western civilization that has become your passion?
1: Well, I think it's because... When you analyze the American establishment, right, which at the end of the day is who's drafting our policies, determining where we send our troops to war, what kind of policies we're pursuing from an economic perspective – where we're sending our factories, I really think that the American establishment's moves are indistinguishable and really indivisible from that of the Chinese Communist Party because there really is, whether you want to call it elite capture, or what we call it more so elite merger, in the sense that it's not just that American elites have kind of sold out to the Chinese Communist Party for financial interests. It's more of an ideological compromise in the idea that together there's kind of this axis of global elites who work to... Implement policies in the United States and China that benefit a certain sect of American, which America, which is not most people, which is not your average working class, which is not a member of the middle class. And I really think that you can't get to the issue of American policies, which is that you're not prioritizing your average American, you're prioritizing, you know, the one percent, uh, the DC class, the Beltway class, you know, the lobbyist type. Uh, But you can't undo that if you don't get to the root issue. And I think that the root issue is that the Chinese Communist Party has gotten so many of these people on their payroll, either directly, as a lot of these documents that I dive into show, or indirectly. uh, And I think it's really hard to, to untangle the problems that you see facing here. We're facing here in America, whether it's critical race theory uh, all the way down to the economic policies that we've pursued for decades that have allowed you know, PPE manufacturing and prescription drug manufacturing to be sent over to China. That doesn't happen without the compromise of the Chinese Communist Party of American elites.
0: So when I – I've told this story on the radio, but I I want to run it by you as a person who deals with this day in, day out, because I don't. I have to do domestic stuff. I have to do whether it's breaking news in Afghanistan. But when I arrived in the White House, my background had been about 20 years in national security, specifically counterterrorism, working as a a DOD civilian, a professor at our war colleges. And that was my expectation, that I'd come in and I'd work counterterrorism issues, the defeat ISIS plan, what have you. Then my personal journey was once you got in there, once you have the top secret clearances, you read the presidential daily briefing, you get the the classified uh, reports. I realized we're going to deal with jihadis. We're going to deal with Iran. We're going to deal with Russia, put North Korea back in their box. Uh, Iran is, you know, manageable. But the only peer, the only peer or near-peer threat that America faces at a strategic level is communist China. Um, I know your, your ambit isn't the broad scope of national security, but given that you focus on China day in, day out, would you put it in that category of near-peer competitor?
1: Uh, I think they are, they are an enemy. Uh, I mean, point blank, and I think that's...
0: But at the level of peer.
1: Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, But I think what's so interesting, and what we've really dug into at the National Pulse, is how the Chinese Communist Party has really kind of crafted the narrative about their rise uh, in the United States. So we're talking about Uh, For example, TRIPS that have been organized by the China-United States Exchange Foundation, which is one of these many, many, many foreign agents that operate in the United States. It's essentially funded by the Chinese Communist Party. It's part of what's called the United Front, which is a multi-billion dollar effort that's linked to China's military whose really sole goal is is to compromise American elites and get them to push policies that China supports. So I always joke, you know, it's Hunter Biden, except the people don't get caught. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so much of this group's efforts was actually paying for journalists from every mainstream media outlet, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, You name it, MSNBC, literally all of them. You can go check out the story. Every single media outlet taking these journalists on trips overseas to China. And upon return, when you read the documents that these journalists were forced to, you know, basically kind of outline what they were doing, they had to provide favorable coverage uh, of the Chinese Communist Party and what they were doing in the United States and more broadly what that effort represents. And keep in mind, there's over 250 registered foreign agents on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party in the United States right now. These are
0: people who are formally registered with the DOJ to lobby on behalf of China.
1: Yeah, and, you know, part of it is that these people have set out to endeavor to change America's perception of China, and that they kind of want to frame it in the context of, oh, well... You know, doing business with China is great. We're the two most powerful countries. We need to work together. It's just the way of the world. Uh, but I also think it's important to note that they also set out to endeavor, the, you know, to change the perception of how Americans view America. And I think we've done similar reporting, actually, believe it or not, on how the same group, right, the China-United States Exchange Foundation, whose sole goal is to get American elites, American journalist types to really echo the claims of Beijing yeah. and the American media landscape. They are actually longtime partners of the top group that sued the Trump administration uh, for trying to ban critical race theory from the federal government. So there's just, you know, you're asking how I kind of got into this. And that's kind of the broader story. When I really started looking into it and realizing the extent, kind of the, the hidden hand that the Chinese Communist Party has over D.C., but more broadly, the United States, and really, frankly, the whole Western uh, elite sphere, you can't unsee it. You know, you, you can't go back. And I was like, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm young. I know how to navigate the Internet and really get into places that I think most people can't. Deleted web pages. That's, I'd argue, one of my fortes. And... Uh, you know, I felt that it was my duty to get this information out there because it's so scary and it's so in front of you and, you know, I think it's the American spirit to to fight, so that, that's kind of well,
0: that, I do. Given the, the global extent of this, for those who don't yeah. follow these issues, I mean, this is, for example, in Australia, a huge mm-hmm. issue. We, we have members of uh, Parliament, we have, you know, politicians in Australia who have been found to be taking cash from Communist China to represent Chinese interests. So this isn't just about America and China, this is about about a plan for global domination, correct?
1: Well, that's our future. And I'd argue the future is kind of already here because we have a lot of politicians and I'm not just talking about, you know, Joe Biden and his family members, but who have, you know, taken money from the Chinese Communist Party. But there's also more kind of subversive under the radar uh, avenues that they take to kind of subvert uh, these elected officials. You know, of course, you can talk about Eric Swalwell and talk about Hunter Biden. Uh, but we did I would say very, you know, groundbreaking reporting at the National Pulse, and we uncovered six Democratic members of Congress who are actively invested in Chinese Communist Party-owned firms. I'm talking about technology companies like Tencent and Alibaba, which, of course, our own State Department has flagged as yeah. being, you know, major tools of the Chinese Communist Party that aid in abet their repression, both at home and abroad. Uh, and I think when when you see these congressmen who have, you know, six, in some case, seven-figure investments in Chinese Communist Party-backed firms, I mean, to me, that's at the point where you start questioning, you know, where does your allegiance even lie?
0: It is so strange that—and uh, I've done this many times live— uh, on my show. I've done on other people's shows when they asked it. You mentioned uh, Eric Swalwell, Natalie. <laughs> I am able right now, hand on heart, if the good book were here, I'd put my hand, my other hand on that one to say, I, Sebastian Gorka, have never had sex with a <laughs> Chinese agent of the Communist Party's intelligence services. I can say that. As a matter of fact, why is it that Eric Swalwell <laughs> to this day can't say that, Natalie? I mean, he's a congressman
1: <laughs> cuz he probably did cuz he probably <laughs> did now this is
0: you know it's funny on the one hand but the the fact that this guy still is on committees that allow him access to top secret information while he's had sex with a chinese intelligence officer uh, this shows the depth of the the issue does it not
1: Well, he's hurling you know foreign collusion allegations yes. at trump and everyone in, russia russia in russia it's it's peak projection and i think that's what's so funny about this whole Russia scandal, you know, you can dig into all the various establishment players who helped craft this narrative. But it's so funny, because I really think that that shows you the mindset of the DC media class in the sense that for some somehow in their head, it was Oh, Trump is soft on Russia. And they're like, Oh, well, the reason why we're soft on China is because we take so much money from them. And because we take trips from them because we have business deals with them. And believe it or not, the New York Times and CNN actually help fund and provide internships to Sinjua University's, quote, Marxist journalism school that creates the whole new class of Chinese state-run media editors and all that. So I think when you kind of analyze the, the Russia collusion aspect from that angle, you can almost replace, I, I do this sometimes for fun, which tells you about my social life, but uh, you can swap out instead of Trump, you put mainstream media and instead of Russia, you put the Chinese Communist Party, and it's quite literally the same exact headline right. in the sense that the compromise and the collusion is there. But
0: By- but let's be clear here. This isn't just about Democrats like Beijing, mm-hmm. Biden or Eric Swalwell. This has become a, a bipartisan, rhino GOP and Democrat Party phenomenon. This is, you know, Ch- China is buying people off on both sides of the aisle, correct?
1: Oh, definitely. I'm the first to say that the establishment Republican class of people, which, you know, the difference between them and the establishment Democrats, not too much, but those people are the ones who sell out to the Chinese Communist Party the most because they have no principles. Uh, And I think that void is expertly manipulated by the Chinese Communist Party. And there's so many people. Um, I'm inclined to think of Bill Cohen, who is a Republican, but he also worked in the Clinton administration. But he has a consulting group uh, called the Cohen Group. And a lot of people who now work in the Biden we call it a regime at the National Pulse, uh, used to work there, including Joe Biden's new ambassador to China, Nicholas yeah. Burns. And this is a consulting group which has long-standing relations with the China United States Exchange Foundation. Bill Cohen has traveled to China many times a year to meet with these various influence groups, has big time consulting contracts with Chinese linked entities, uh, even employs former Chinese Communist Party officials at their firm. So that's just kind of, I think. The, you know, tale as old as time in Washington, D.C., and that's what I think on a personal level gets me so mad about it is because it's these people who have positions that are taxpayer funded. You know, we've put our faith in them to go and advocate for the interests of America. And, yeah, they allegedly, although I'd argue they really don't, you know, pretend to do it for a couple years working in the federal government. And then literally the day they're out, and I'm pretty sure Bill Cohen, it was the, the same month yeah. he, he departed, the Clinton White House, they set up lobbying shops, they set up consulting firms, and they start taking foreign money from our sworn adversary, the Chinese Communist Party. And I, I think it's treasonous, and I think it, it just on a personal level, it makes me so mad.
0: Well, it should. If you love this country, it should make you mad. How much was my old boss, uh, President Trump, as the Brits say, a a spanner in the works? How much was he a wrench in the gears for a rising China and and, and for the establishment that wanted to have their palms greased by China's money?
1: Oh, he was such such an impediment to, to how the establishment seeks to use the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, I, I love talking about it a lot of the times. It's too in the weeds, so people kind of tune out. They're like, oh, she's talking about more Chinese groups and Chinese Communist Party-linked entities. No, we have but, the time but, here, but, so this is where you <laughs> can get into the it. weeds. But, I mean, the executive orders that came out of that administration in terms of targeting these yeah. specific influence groups... Like I said, the China-United States Exchange Foundation, the China People's Association for Friendship and Foreign Contact, and the other ones... That CIA. sounds
0: so Soviet. So I so mean, innocuous. utterly <laughs> Cold War. It's people forget. Do you know what the, the actual name for the Warsaw Pact was? It wasn't the Warsaw Pact. It was the Warsaw <laughs> Pact for Friendship and Cooperation. People forget that. I mean, you're dominating your neighbors, taking control of them, friendship and cooperation. China's just playing the same uh, they s- love, strategy.
1: Yeah, they love those terms there's another one that Ch- the Chinese Association for International Friendly contact so they, they love friendship uh, though it's a very very one-way street I guess unless you're, you're a member of America's permanent political class but all of these groups which you know really take an, an elaborate understanding of the way that the, the Chinese Communist Party's influence efforts work they were all targeted in one way or another by executive orders from the Trump administration to stop people from actually participating and, and colluding with them, right? So, you know, the administration that was smeared as the, you know, foreign collusion administration was actually stopping foreign collusion, and they were the, the most successful that I'd ever seen in recent history of an administration doing that. So, so they were definitely successful uh, in that sense. And I also have to say, it is really interesting because I, I go through all these websites and you know, I look at their archives and their deleted pages and, you know, every other article or, you know, press release that these influence groups put out. It's, you know, the chairman of that organization smiling next to some, you know, titan of industry from America, some huge Wall Street you know, company, you name it. Um, and it's what's so interesting about Trump is that he was never in any of those pictures. Right. And I think that for someone who, you know, was such a big titan, still is, of industry in American real estate, um, so many people, especially in the real estate market, really have kind of sold out to the Chinese Communist Party. That was the way that they kind of chose to broaden their market. And I, I've never seen anyone from the Trump organization pictured in, in, in any on any of these websites. And someone could say, you know, oh, that doesn't mean anything. But as someone who does this for a living and, and you know, goes through these websites and tries to figure out who's compromised, that really tells you a lot.
0: Yeah, because there are lots of photographs like that of Eric Swalwell. <laughs> We're talking to Natalie Winters, investigative reporter for The National Pulse, thenationalpulse.com. If you believe in America, if you love America, send a message to those around you. We celebrate the establishment of our new store here, the America First Swag Store. It's sebgorkastore.com. When the president came on our show two weeks ago, we celebrate by launching the shirt to make famous the rally he just held. They're flying off the shelves. Check out If You're Woke, You're a Loser. Yes. That is the T-shirt you need to send a message to the libtards around you. If you're woke, you're a loser. You can get my books, Defeating Jihad, The War for America's Soul, Why We Fight, signed. You can get amazing things. American-made mugs, yes, with an eagle on the bottom because they're made in America. America first. Check them out. Go to Um You mentioned the corporate sector. We've talked about the Uniparty. We've talked about both sides of the aisle. We've talked about the mainstream media with regards to China. Talk to us about big business, about the CEOs who really don't look at their companies now as American companies, they're global, whatever companies. How much are they in bed with a communist nation? When you look at Nike hiring lobbyists to kill legislation, to stop the use of uh, labor camps, political labor camps, uh, how much of the problem is Really, big business
1: yeah, I, I think that when it comes to big business, you know the framing of it it's not a uniquely Chinese Communist party issue I think it's it's the issue that when these firms started outsourcing their labor, their manufacturing capabilities, I think their allegiance followed, and you know a lot of these these big corporations they want the open borders, they want the cheap labor, but I've always said that you know these open borders work both ways in the sense that they want cheap labor in, and they want to send jobs out they want to send our you know manufacturing capabilities outwards and, and and i think it's you know you don't even have to kind of speculate or, or or make guesses as to where their their allegiances and ideologies lie you know charlie munger who is you know big guy in in finance big guy in business um he said, you know, quote, China did the right thing in response to how the Chinese government treated Jack Ma. Believe me, Jack Ma is, is no hero. He's still a member of the Chinese Communist Party. But this is someone who, who the Chinese government, you know, kind of tried to just unperson and, and do away with because he wanted to maybe get a little creative uh, in, in terms of innovation and, and the Ant Group IPO, which is an offshoot of, of Alibaba. But he said in an interview You know, China was right how they handled him. And I think that just shows you and that speaks to what I was talking about in the beginning, which is this idea of elite merger as opposed to just elite capture in the sense that, you know, I think, frankly, and, you know, talking about big business, I think it's hard to not talk about big tech. Yes, you know. What the Chinese Communist Party did to Jack Ma, I think, is really what big tech and big business wants to do to Trump supporters. Wants right, to, to
0: on-person do. conservatives.
1: Exactly. They want to Jack Ma us. They want to, you know, take this show offline. They And they do it. You know, the National Pulse is banned on Twitter. Um, so-
0: By the way, guys, if you're wondering, we just had our second termination on YouTube. Our <laughs> uh, show site was terminated, then doc- Then uh, Mr. G, our producer's YouTube site was terminated uh, yesterday. So, yeah, it's real. This is, this is the use of big tech. In, in the past, you know, it was 70, 80 years ago, mm-hmm. it was... Um, scratching Trotsky out of the photographs <laughs> with Stalin. It was whiting out people who had become déclassé. Now right. it's just making whether it's Mike Flynn's wife having her mm-hmm. credit card cancelled.
1: Exactly. No, it's 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 the tactics of the Chinese Communist Party, and it's here, and that's sometimes why it's you know hard doing what I do because I, I criticize the Chinese Communist Party so much, and they deserve it, and they're they're horrible, and you know at odds with every value that we hold as Americans. But you know, the American ruling class is kind of doing a lot of the same things. Have you paid a penalty,
0: or what has happened to you from people here in America saying, What are you doing, Natalie? You're shaking the car. Yeah. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> you know, knock on wood, although maybe it's a sign I need to do more, I've I've never been banned I've from anything. I've I've never well, at least in the big tech world, um, I've I've never, barring the national pulse, I've never got a slap on the wrist from any of, of the big social media platforms, although Uh, people who who watch the War Room may know that a lot of our stories get censored by one of Facebook fact-checking partners, Nick, called Lead Stories, uh, which we've done a very deep dive into this group. Uh, a lot of de- actually. So hang, let's slow yes. down here. So Lead yes.
0: Stories,
1: Lead Stories is the
0: one of these quote unquote fact checking organs, yes. and really they're just another bunch of Democrats, correct?
1: And Chinese Communist Party pay release. Um So Lead Stories is is one of these organizations that if you've ever been on Facebook and you you know click on and you see a story or you get a notification, you've just been exposed to you know fake news. They're the people that get to decide that. Right. Um, and they had been censoring our stories, coincidentally, only the ones that seemed to target Biden, for a couple of months. Uh, and I decided to fight back because I was, I was really mad. I was like, I worked really hard on this story. I want people to be able to read it. So I started digging into the group. And at first, we found that of every political donation that employees had sent, they'd all gone to Democrats there were, of everyone who worked there, There's over 130 years, collectively, of experience working at CNN <laughs> as journalists. Um, but the story gets more interesting because a few months back, they got contracted with TikTok and their parent company, ByteTance, to start fact-checking, which, as people well know, is Chinese. actually now officially a Chinese state-owned, at least partially, although I'd argue there's no such thing as a partially Chinese state-owned company, and... Um, and they are on their payroll now uh fact checking for facebook censoring stories about the origins of covid-19 um and censoring our stories too uh, and we had the the ch- uh, editor in chief the founder of the outlet on our show and he said he was quote very comfortable being in business with bite dance and saw wow. no issues working with the chinese communist party
0: Well that tells you everything. <laughs> you mentioned covid, let's talk yes. about covid. Big news this week. Uh, the 900 pages of documents that The Intercept got in a foyer regarding uh, gain-of-function research funding via a cutout from the U.S. taxpayer and okayed by Fauci. Uh, give us the, g- give us in, – in in, I'll give you five minutes. That's, a, that's <laughs> luxury, luxury in media. Five minutes for those who are not familiar with you, Natalie, don't know what the national policies is, haven't heard of Raheem Kassan, which is impossible because – well, he's Raheem. Um, <laughs> what, is, what are the most important things about the last year and a half when it comes to COVID and Wuhan and gain of function that most people, 99% mm-hmm. of Americans, have no idea about, Natalie?
1: Sure. Well, I think a lot of people saw this Intercept FOIA kind of document dump and a lot of the headlines were, you know, bombshell, you know, groundbreaking revelation, new documents reveal... If you've been reading the national pulse, it's you, not new. <laughs> it's not new. Um, in in summary, what these documents show, um, and what we've kind of I would say added color to at the national pulse, you know, detailing the people, the grants, who is profiting, who is you know on the ground doing the research. It's a grant that started in 2014 called Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence, and sounds nice enough. Uh, but when you dig into that grant, which is, of course, now a $3.7 million taxpayer-backed grant, uh, you can see that 16 of the 30 studies that were completed under that grant were carried out in conjunction with Chinese Communist Party-controlled, not even partially controlled, completely controlled, owned and operated scientific entities. And of those 16, 13 were at the Wuhan Institute of virology,
0: Which is the only level four military biodefense lab in communist China.
1: Yes. It's also the lab that used to have uh, military researchers working there. Uh, they've deleted those names from their website. Uh, we have the archives of it. Um, and it's also a lab that on March 21st, 2021, listed the National Institutes of Health as a partner. And on March 22nd, deleted that from their website. So that...
0: So let, let me let me ask the naive yes. uh, question. What is America doing giving one red cent to communist China's biodefense lab?
1: Well, is that like a crazy
0: yeah, question Natalie?
1: No, you you've beat me to it and that's kind of the the narrative that I've been hammering. It's not a question of whether or not we funded gain of function research, which is of course kind of a weaponization of the lethality and virulence of different pathogens. It's a question of why we were ever funding yeah. a Chinese government-controlled lab in the first place. And I think people don't really understand. It's not just the extent of the Chinese government's kind of control over you know every aspect of Chinese society, but this is a lab that has a communist youth league, that has a united front work department, that has a party disciplinary committee, that on the weekend holds devotion sessions to the Chinese Communist Party, that studies the five-year plans. You can go on there their website and see pictures of people taking the oath to the Chinese Communist Party with their hand over their heart and the Chinese Communist Party flag up in the back. Uh, They even say in deleted articles that we found that they pledged to implement the Chinese Communist Party's agenda, quote, without compromise. And I would argue that the COVID-19 fits that pretty well. Um, But this is, you know, through and through a Chinese Communist Party run, both financially and ideologically run lab. So you you hit the nail on the head as to why we'd ever be funding it in the first place.
0: And when Foundry says, we're not funding it, we (laughs) never funded it. He's only saying that because we went through a cutout that, that he gave money to a private US entity. And that entity gave it to Wuhan. And he knew what he was doing. He knew that Wuhan was getting it.
1: Yeah, so that's wrong for two reasons. One, it's just a lie, put simply, you know, saying, oh, well, we didn't fund it because we sent it to another organization. That gave it to them. That's how the NIAID, which is Fauci's agency, works. Um, right. And, you know, Fauci has a very close relationship with EcoHealth Alliance. It's not That's just, the
0: organization, EcoHealth Alliance.
1: Yeah, it's not just that Fauci sent them money. I mean, Fauci spoke at least two times in 2016 at EcoHealth Alliance events. Um, s- several more that, believe it or not, they've been deleted from the website. Uh, there's pictures of uh, Eco Health Alliance President Peter Doshak and Anthony Fauci smiling together, you know.
0: So the American cutout has deleted the evidence mm-hmm. of Fauci being there, palling it up with them. before. Yep.
1: Wow. On their website, he's also deleted tweets documenting another conference that he attended in Singapore focusing on another virus that was funded by which will NIA be the next energy, which it's, pandemic. And it's funny you say that because it's actually Nipah virus, which is the new one that's
0: actually that's developing. just been announced. Right. Yeah.
1: So, but I think the other reason, too, why I really dislike Fauci's you know, whole defense, well, it wasn't gain of function. Um, and why, again, this whole kind of intercept FOIA dump wouldn't be a bombshell if you were reading the National Pulse. Uh, is because the Wuhan Institute of Virology is, you know, 0.0001% of the NIH's involvement in China and more, more broadly, the Chinese Communist Party's scientific sector. And just to keep it Fauci specific, um, you know, I want to bring the fact that, you know, NIH director Francis Collins used to actually be on the advisory board. Uh, of a conference sponsored by BGI Genomics, which people may know is the Chinese data firm that wants to, you know, steal your DNA. Uh, the State Department said, "Don't use their COVID tests because they want to steal your DNA." Uh, but in 2010, and was later renewed in 2011, uh, the NIH actually spearheaded under Fauci's deputy, a guy named Hugh. Um, they actually traveled to China and signed a memorandum of understanding with the Na- the national natural science foundation of china another one of these kind of bizarre names um but to collaborate on research um and what's so interesting about this and i think it speaks to the, the heart of the problem which part of it is just the civil military fusion that you see over there but you know the national natural science foundation of china um I've independently seen, you know, they've funded over 75 studies alongside branches of the People's Liberation Army, including, you know, the Artillery Academy. Um, this and when is, we
0: say People's Liberation Army, it's not about liberating. It's the <laughs> communist army of China. Sorry, go I'm ahead. i only
1: liberating pathogens uh, yes, from the Wuhan right, Institute right. of Virology. Um, but no, this is an, ardently a branch uh, of the PLA of China's military. But nonetheless, in 2010, and like I said, renewed in 2011, the NIH felt comfortable Inking an agreement with them to collaborate on research. And I frankly, it's under this broader framework that you were allowed to start seeing eco health collaboration with these Chinese government linked labs. And, and, you know, it's it's not a secret. Any this grant uh, is on the NIH database which about a month ago they actually pulled down the database for about a week.
0: yeah we know why they're doing that because <laughs> it's because of Natalie that's why they did it because they've got to scrub stuff um, okay, so let's talk about yes. the the response. Yep. we have got a cut here that I, I, it's gonna if we had magnetic tape it would be worn out by now. Let's play the cut that we've been using for a
1: while now here in America first play cut you don't
0: So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. So how significant is it, Natalie, that the chief diplomat of Communist China Sitting across from our chief diplomat, that beta boy, (laughs) uh, that pathetic non-figure of a man, Anthony Blinken, uses Democrat BLM talking points about America being a racist country and then saying, you can't talk to us, you can't lecture us from a position of strength, and we just sit there. Does that not mean that the Chinese understand U.S. politics better than we understand what's going on in China?
1: Well, I I think that this is an in-your-face example of how the Chinese Communist Party kind of dictates what it is for America now, right? They tell us what it is. They tell us all these various bizarre CRT-inspired ways that we've offended them. So, you know, ergo, they're in charge now. They, They get to rule us. But I think for someone, you know, who's read my articles or just from my perspective, that's going on behind the scenes in a more kind of underground way. In the sense that the Chinese Communist Party, through their various intermediaries, uh, I could probably talk for 89 hours about every person in the Biden regime who is somehow compromised by the Chinese government. Uh, but that's just kind of the outlook there is that the Chinese Communist Party can tell us how to where, what our standing is in the world because they can also tell us what our policies need to be.
0: Now, you've said, you know, I want to see that article. I want to see mm-hmm. the article with the, you know, 300 names of people in the Biden administration, yeah. the Biden regime who are all uh, compromised. Let's talk about one, the, the man who is the son of the, mm-hmm. the individual who bears the title of president. And another audio that we've run the tape out on who says in a telephone call, he boasts about being in business with the effing chief spy of China you're um, you're not in the White House you haven't had a political position you're mm-hmm. too young to understand how you know the all the intricacies of the swamp and hopefully you won't um <laughs> do you have a sense from all you've read is it a cultural how do I put this is it a, a cultural perversion and um is it just giving in to China over time or is it people who are really being blackmailed. Do you have a sense?
1: Yeah. Um. So I remember we actually re- uncovered that audio clip. We, we reported that out. I remember listening the to Hunter it. The of Biden. Yeah. Right. I remember listening to it for the first time and my jaw dropped. I was like, right. he just admitted to, to being in business. The guy that he's talking about is likely Patrick Ho. But I, I think there there's kind of twofold because I think there's, you know, ideological compromise and then there's also what I kind of call boots on the ground compromise in the sense of
0: money, money, money. money. But yeah. Right.
1: Um, but I think that it was very, very easy for kind of the, the America, American elite, with which Hunter Biden is a good example, but not not the only, right? Don't, don't miss the forest for the trees. Um, but I think that they were kind of so easy to, for lack of a better word, compromise and kind of sell out to any country. But it's China because they know how to do it. Right. Um, because I think they stopped believing in America a long time yes. ago. And I think that's that's the heart of the issue, right? It's a lot easier to compromise an American elite that doesn't believe in America, right? right? The, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without right. fighting. So they've kind of converted America's ruling class into kind of a, a de facto Chinese Communist Party ruling class.
0: Why would you want to represent America's best interests. If you don't believe in America, it's it's worse than being an agent. It's worse than being a useful idiot. You're actually un-American in your attitude to America. And by dint of that, you are helping our enemies. That's a very, very solid analysis. So let's uh, talk about the future. Mm-hmm. It's clear to me Before I went to see him recently in Trump Tower, the president was 95 percent sure he was going to run. After I saw him, I think he's going to make an announcement imminently about running for 2024. How good would it be for America and how bad would it be for communist China if there was a second Trump term?
1: Oh, it would be amazing for America. And and the Chinese Communist Party knows how bad it would be for them. Uh, One of my favorite things, although retrospectively it was kind of, I guess, a, a warning sign, Chinese state-run media would lose it uh, over anything Trump did. And they loved anything that Biden did on the campaign. They would say that Biden's cabinet picks were, quote, softer on China. And, and they were, you know, oh, this is amazing. They, they Believe it or not, they actually called the DNC a showboat, uh, which for anyone who watched the DNC, it wow. was very far from that. Um, but no, I mean, it would be fantastic. I, I think, you know, a second term of the Trump years the trump administration i think we need to get the right people in there um and not you know repeat the, the mistakes of letting anyone who is you know even with the tempo pool close to the establishment right. or even some people to the, to the chinese government near the white house um but i think trump believes in america and i think what we were talking about before i don't think that the same thing can be said about the biden regime you know and i think metaphorically you see that when there's americans left behind in afghanistan well when you've you got know?
0: when you've got the chairman of the joint chiefs say you mm-hmm. know i white rage i'm white and i need to know about white rage as yep. uh, afghanistan is about to collapse okay so yeah. let, let, let's uh, prognosticate god willing my old boss back in the white house yes. n- another four years what are the three most important things he has to do with regards to communist china
1: Ooh that's a very very good question. Well
0: is it is it in the cultural domain, the economic where where do we begin because we've got the we haven't even mentioned the confucian institutes in America. Yeah. So where where would you like to see him focus on that he hadn't focused on for the prior four years.
1: Sure. So on from the economic aspect which I think Taking the rhetoric aside, that is how you get to the heart of of the Chinese government. And I would – again, it's not necessarily new legislation, but it's actually just implementing what people have attempted to implement before all the lobbyists get involved. So I would ban investment uh, in any Chinese military. Frankly, I would go as far as any Chinese government-linked firm uh, on the stock exchange. That's number one. Uh, And I guess those Democratic congressmen would be very sad because their investments wouldn't do too well. Number two, I think any of these these influence groups, uh, all the way from the China United States Exchange Foundation, all the way down to your Confucius Institutes, I would straight up ban them. And and the Trump administration was on track to doing that. But I think
0: on the basis of national security threat.
1: Oh, they're totally national security threats. And and this might sound a little extreme, but I seriously think, uh, you know, the, the people who participated in these programs. Um, not only should be totally ineligible to ever get security clearances or, or, or really work in federal government, but I think that they should be forced to testify, um, and I think that we should really understand from the what inside was what was going on, because I think, and that kind of gets me to to the third point, which is maybe a little less important, so, sort of in, in the realm of point number two, but I would also ban, or I guess it would just, you need to make more public, Uh, the Chinese government money that can flood into universities, Mm -hmm. because I think when you understand how, you know, D.C. works, right, it's almost a direct pipeline from the Harvard Kennedy School to to D.C., um, you know, that's a a really big issue. It's a really big national security threat when you have our, you know, top foreign enemy getting to dictate the curricula and determine what our future leaders are being taught all the way up to to the master's level, a very brief anecdote. The China-United States Exchange Foundation also sponsors trips for American students overseas to go visit China. And sure, it sounds innocuous. It's just, a, you know, summer abroad. Cultural
0: exchange! <laughs>
1: right? But upon return, they force these kids to write testimonies about what, what they saw. And of course, they talk about how they toured Huawei and got lectured by PLA generals. Uh, but there's one individual who says, "'Upon return, I realize that China is, quote, an amazing communist country that will soon overtake the United States.'" And that's the ideological compromise. Financial, lucrative business deals aside. Plant that seed.
0: Plant that seed. Okay, last thing we uh, want our guests to always do is to give us a little bit of a so what or a bit of homework. You haven't written a book yet. Shame on you. Get busy. (laughs) It's Um, in the
1: works. (laughs) Good. That's what we like to hear.
0: What should, in addition to following you, Natalie G. Winters on Twitter, in addition to listening to your colleague Raheem, checking mm-hmm. out the nationalpost.com. What is it people should avail they're not they're not gonna be Sinologists, they are yes. not gonna become China experts. I always tell people, read Sun Tzu, you can read it in mm-hmm. ninety minutes. What is it you recommend to to Americans who are kinda of waking up and saying, Yeah, this China thing, not good. What should they look at what should they look at? What should they read?
1: Okay. Well, I'm trying to think I would say, and people at first might say, I don't know how to do that. It's too difficult. But the primary documents, and I'm very good at citing them, um, but, you know, farah.gov is a website that you can access. And it's actually... Explain
0: what farah.gov is. So this
1: is farah, short for the Foreign Agent Registration Act. So Um, these are
0: U.S. citizens mm -hmm. who have said, I'm working for a foreign government. I am lobbying for whatever, Vanuatu. Okay, (laughs) And you want people to understand what on on that database?
1: So if you go to the website, you can filter it and you can put China China, in. And you can see all the way from before the CCP had ever taken over China, all the people, all the lobbying, consulting contracts. Fair, so it
0: can go all the way back in All time.
1: the way back. It's a 1938 statue, so it, it starts there. And even just from a historical perspective, yeah. taking politics out of it, it's really, really, really interesting. So I would recommend doing that. Um, and I just think maybe I'm just obsessed with lobbyists and, and lobbying. It's going to the primary sources, because you, you're smart enough, you don't need someone to spin it for you. I'm where I'm saying this as I spin documents. But... They're really interesting to read because it, it really is in firsthand kind of you know the, the eulogy of America, and you see these people who are selling out the country for retainers of you know fifteen k a month yeah. and trying to get Huawei in our infrastructure. You know we had lobbyists in America who were trying to get America to join the Belt and Road Initiative. Which is so absurd, I don't know why. Which is China's
0: why. plan for the world domination, by the way. Okay, yeah. guys, read Sun Tzu and find out who's selling out America. Yes. Go to fara.gov. And we've got a title for your book, Eulogy for America. <laughs> there we go. Natalie Winters, keep doing what you do. Follow Thank this lady you. Twitter, Natalie G. Winters. Read the nationalpast.com And as ever, friends, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty.